I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby and welcome to a brand new episode of Grouping Harmony, a podcast all about music. Today there's a few things I want to discuss, probably won't be too long in an episode, but there's one main topic in particular that I wanted to discuss. Uh, which is a recent festival in Connecticut that got a lot of media attention. So, and in particular, I really want to discuss it briefly because even though I plan on discussing it in more depth with a couple guests, a couple attendees at the show, we do have one attendee on myself. So I'll discuss that shortly. First off, typical shameless plug. I have a Facebook page, Groupie and Harmony. Give that a like. I post on there with any updates about the podcast or about my blog, Feeling Groupie. Uh, last, uh, so I've been keeping up with the, uh, fairly recently been keeping up with the uh, 2021 album fictional festival series. At the time of recording, I haven't posted the newest one yet, which will be a contemporary Christian festival. Um, that one will likely come out before this episode is posted, though. And uh, it's, it's all done. I just haven't had the chance to post it yet. There's uh, some other ones since the last episode it has been recorded. Uh, is uh, one that's I'm calling a K-pop plus festival, which, while originally rooted in it's rooted in K-pop, there are also other forms of uh, forms of music in, included like J-pop, uh, P-pop, and some other artists. There's also a Latin festival in there. And there's still a few more that I'm going to be doing, uh, releasing. I have, in no particular order, there's an indie festival, a punk festival, a soft rock festival. I, I think there might be one more. I don't remember off the top of my head. And then there's going to be one general one in a different format. So be on the lookout for all those. Those ones are all going to be coming out in the coming weeks. Um, and then uh, I... For my basketball, also my basketball blog, which there's a separate Facebook page for, is Baller Trademark yet. So I recently, so I have been posting uh, observations for the WNBA finals, uh, which was a really fun and exciting finals to watch. And in fact, I actually ended up going to game four. So, uh, but shout out to my girlfriend who was able to find cheap tickets for that. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I got to do my observations from there. In the coming days, I'm gonna be sometime. I'm hoping sometime this week to write a post related to both Robert Sarver, which I haven't. I don't believe I have actually addressed uh, yet. And then also Emi Adoka situation. Both situations, not good situations. Which I want to address 
and then there will be some more posts coming out before the start of the NBA season. So be on the lookout for all those as well. Now, before we actually get into some news topics, but uh, I um, I do want to give you all an apology for again uh, the inconsistent releases lately. Um, so this um, it's been a bit chaotic the last couple months for me. Um, in the last couple months, I had a couple relatives that was close to pass away, and then also uh, my girlfriend had uh, had to have surgery recently, which, uh, that one was actually expected. That one was, uh, to fix, uh, something that had been going on for her whole life. So, uh, with that one, uh, for both, uh, so now we're getting, getting back to a little bit more normal. So, hoping to do episodes weekly, and I know, um, in particular, some of the blog posts have been a little bit more sporadic than I'd like to have also. Um, but I'm hoping to get into a better routine with all of those now that uh, now um, now that things are settling down a little bit. Uh, so now for some news stories. Uh, the first one that I do want to discuss is uh, po uh, popular hip hop artist P and P and B Rock passed away. Uh, he was murdered uh, earlier a couple weeks weeks ago. Um, and I will say, cause I'm, I, I will confess that like I was, I wasn't the, I never was a huge fan of his music, but I was always fascinated by his rise to popularity. He was someone who, uh, really was interesting just to see, um, his, uh, um, that like he, uh, first off his rise to popularity and then also like, uh, his, uh, I was able to grow his following and uh, his stylistic transitions also over time. And just to be able to see the career decisions that he made, I really, I always found uh, it interesting to watch, uh, to watch his career. And his career, while, even while not a fan of his music for the most part, his career was always some uh, one that I always was uh, interested in and found really interesting. Um, he definitely had a fan base, and uh, he and he, uh, and I mean, a lot of artists loved working with him. Also, um, so that that's just just devastating. Because I mean, he, uh, he was he was murdered after, like literally after going out to a restaurant, which is also again like so sad to hear um so rest in peace my condolences to those the to those who are friends families loved ones everyone close to him that's absolutely devastating and uh um i i can't i can't even imagine that's so devastating um the next one that i want to discuss um and as a note uh for this one um there are references to uh sexual crimes so uh i'm gonna be discussing this briefly so if uh i don't want to i don't want to cause any sort of triggers for anyone so uh if you don't feel comfortable listening to this for whatever the reason is no worries just skip ahead around a minute 
Um, this one, R. Kelly, uh, a couple weeks ago was found guilty on, uh, on three charges of child pornography and three charges of enticing a child. Uh, and, uh, that, um, and this one was in a case in, that was heard in Chicago. So, um, the sentencing is expected in February, is February. I'm, all I'll really say about this one is that I'm not, I, I'm not too surprised to hear that there were, uh, 13 case, uh, there were 13 cases brought against him for child pornography, so I'm not too surprised that at least some of them were heard. Um, the, or, I'm sorry, that some of them were, uh, he was found guilty on at least some of them. Uh, the next one, so there was an interesting situation, uh, recently. Um, so, uh, technical thrash metal, uh, metal band thrash metal, probably best if I, as I'm sorry to say, tech, technical thrash metal band, uh, Vector, um, they, they had reunited over the last couple of years, and they signed, uh, they signed a deal with Media Records, uh, rec I mean, sorry, not Century, Media Records, Century Media Records, rather, um, and then they got dropped in the same week. So basically, uh, they had signed the, they signed them to the record label, and there was a lot of backlash um, because Vector's frontman David Santo uh, had uh, was um, was accused of assaulting his wife. Um, so um, they're after they their first statement announcing that they had signed them was a quote. We are extremely pleased to announce the ve that Vector has signed with Century Century Media Records. They have been on our they have long been on our radar, and we couldn't be happier for this new partnership. Recording of our fourth studio studio album has come um, uh, has commenced, uh, and we and we have set the bar very high for ourselves once again. We are eager to begin the next phase of our global takeover with such a legendary record label, um, and so on. Um, and then, uh, when they, when they dropped the group, they, the record label, uh, posted on Instagram, quote, effective immediately, Century Media has decided to part ways with Vector. And, uh, Um, so I, I just think that's a weird situation and I know that, um, uh, there are, in these kind of cases, like there are a lot of times record labels will do that to be like, oh, look at, look at what we did. We, uh, we did the right thing. But if for, if you, and I mean, it's one thing for like, for instance, to fans be like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing. That's. That's understandable, you know. Fans don't. Fans aren't going to know every single thing, um, so they might, they might not realize certain things. Like I know, for instance, with uh, after the Maryland, after Marilyn Manson allegations, uh, there were, uh, there, I mean, there were many that I did, I wasn't aware of. For instance, I wasn't a fan of Marilyn Manson, but there were many allegations that I wasn't aware of in particular, and uh, 
Uh, and then, uh, I mean, there were fans that I'm sure weren't particularly aware of the allegations. But then, uh, but then the record uh, label had dropped them uh, once those came public. Which my response to the, that case at that time was that that was cowardice to the record label because they only did it once it became public to help out their reputation. Same things happen. Similar things happening here. They, if you're a record label and you sign an artist, you're, you know, you you're doing research about them. You're not just signing someone random if you don't know anything about them, because if you do something like if you do something like this, uh, then uh, realistically, you realize there can be a lot of backlash. For instance, so in this case, I I think it's just silly on their part that they uh, that the record label did that and then uh, dropped them immediately as if uh, as if to say uh, that um, as as if to act like that they're uh, that they're good. Um, the next story, so headline from CNN, Demi Lovato says her current tour will be her last on one thing I, I didn't mention in the past one, um, the article that I, I got the quotes from related to Vector, uh, was from Metal Ejection, uh, apologies for omitting that part before, um, so for Lovato, um, she, uh, posted on Instagram, couple weeks ago, quote, I'm so effing sick. I can't get out of bed. I can't do this anymore. This next tour will be my last. I love it. And thank you guys. Uh, and she did say that, uh, the current tour will continue. Um, so, I mean, my honest opinion, when I hear things like that, look, I mean, touring takes a lot out of you. I mean, that's, I mean, you that just the travel and then the performing all the time. I mean, that is a lot. And I mean, now we are at a, starting to get to a point where other artists are able to uh, take ownership in themselves, their brand, and their mental health, and be able to know when they can't do this anymore. Um, so, if look, I mean, if she doesn't think if she if with her health wise, she doesn't think she can do this anymore. I applaud her for realizing that that's being aware of mental health issues is not something that is necessarily easy. I know for me, but I've had multiple mental health issues. I, it took me years for me to even like be able to recognize it when like I was feeling more depressed, for instance. Um, because I mean, otherwise I would just like, it, it would just keep going, keep going, keep going. And I wouldn't feel any, I wouldn't realize it. And then suddenly it all hit me like a brick wall. So I think for her to realize that, I think is props to her. That's amazing that she was able to. Um, and I'm not going to talk too much about this one, but uh, there was one article that I saw and read recently uh, on Washington Post, which uh, was the headline says, as concert tours heat the planet, artists try to cut carbon emissions. And then as a line underneath it, uh, Positions and nonprofits collaborate to make tours environmentally friendly. So I'd highly rec. There's like a few different articles about this, not just on Washington Post. I would highly recommend checking that out. Um, and uh, 
because I think that that is something really interesting. Because I know for me, I'm someone who loves concerts and loves festivals, but I, but I mean, I recognize that uh, this uh, that it is a lot of festivals, especially, are not good for the environment. And I mean, there are some ways that you could say immediately, like, okay, yeah, well, I mean, like, encourage people to use refillable water or like do things, uh, use things that are biodegradable, um, which that part it can be, can add up if you're putting it on the venues, I mean, the vendors rather, but still, I mean, even like, for instance, uh, there's a surprising number of equipment that is more gas operated. So I think that there are a lot of people who, uh, a lot of artists who have started to, uh, who have been trying to do that. I know Pearl Jam is a notable one to, uh, try to make driving more environmentally friendly but then also I remember Coldplay uh, had like stopped performing at festivals until they were more environmentally friendly and I and uh, I think that I really think that it is really neat to see that because I know uh, for because uh, for for me I mean I do care about the environment but I also love like constant festivals so I love seeing that there are artists who are starting to uh that are doing that but at the same time I mean I think there there are other ways like I mean for instance there it doesn't just have to be artists it can't be fans which there are fans that are doing that but also I think that the venues or like the the promoters and the organizers can be doing more also so I think that especially it has like a as global warming it becomes a, it is a real serious thing. I think that we, uh, I think that it's interesting to uh, to see uh, more and more, or to, I think it'll be interesting to see more and more individuals and groups and organizers to start to start taking it seriously in that regard as well. So now. The main reason I wanted to record this episode today, I was going to wait until the weekend to record an ep this uh, next weekend to record an episode, but um, I decided that I wanted to record one sooner. I was able to today, so and uh, so here it is today. Uh, and this one really is related to this festival in Connecticut, Sound and Sound, which got a lot of negative press recently after the after the first day. Uh, so. It happened in Bridgeport, Connecticut, this past weekend on the twenty September twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and um, there were some notable names at that one. So uh, day one, uh, some major acts included Stevie Nicks, The Lumineers, uh, um, Father John Misty, Camp, Band of Horses. Um, I was there, and I'm having a brain fart. It's the Revivalists. Uh, there were there were other acts too. I'm just my brain's just going dead apparently right now. Um But yeah, um so there were oh um Zach Bryan also. Um and then on Saturday, uh Dave Matthews, Tim Reynolds, uh Brandy Carlisle, the National, The Roots, uh Gary Clark Jr. Um Um, the Head and the Heart, several other acts, Spin Doctors, Jade Bird Nakan, uh, some others as well. 
Um, so I really want to talk about this be uh, because I was actually there. And what I'm hoping to do in a future episode is to dis to have uh, at least one it at least discussing with one person who was also at the festival. My goal is to have two people who were at the festival. Um, but we'll, uh, I haven't discussed that with them yet, so I don't want to promise anything yet. Um, but, uh, I want to discuss this sooner because, uh, of all the attention with that one. So, uh, this was the first year of that festival, and actually, before I say this, um, I do just want to say, uh, I figure probably no one would accuse me of this, but I have no affiliation with the festival other than the fact that I attended the festival. Um, so, uh, on day one, that's where a lot of the complaints were. And there have been complaints that, uh, um, that it was, lines were, for vendors were long, it was really hard to walk anywhere, uh, it was the, sta uh, the pit area, I guess, in front of the stage, probably a better way to put it, was absolutely packed in particular people were just plopping chairs down there in the middle so people couldn't get by um so, and it wound up being a safety hazard there were um complaints about the about parking leaving uh about the condition of the porta potties um uh, there were some complaints about about the water and what i will say because there are so many things that Contradictors were saying we're wrong about this. Several articles written. I will say first things first. As someone who attended the festival, for day one, the majority of the stuff was overblown. And I, what I will say is that living, in, I've lived in Connecticut for most of my life, with the exception of my first couple years of life uh, when I was in Virginia and then Louisiana, and then also two years when I was in grad school in North Carolina. I. No, living in Connecticut for so long, I can tell you that for any, for, this seems to be a case of across Connecticut, Connecticut people tend to overreact about a lot of things. So there were, some people were comparing it to like Woodstock 99, Firefest. No, it was nothing like that. What's a better comp? Frankly, any other first year festival that had issues. So, okay, Epicenter had their issues day one. Blue Ridge Rock Fest had their issues. And they're, I know I just gave two Hard Rock Metal Festivals as examples, but they're the perfect examples that come to mind because all these issues that people are discussing came down to one major thing that uh, relates all these three festivals. The organizers did not plan for the right number of people. They planned for too few people. So, and I... Um, and I, it's easy to look at that and be like, seriously, how do you do that? I mean, yes, I'm absolutely critical of them for doing that. They should know. They knew how many people were coming to the festival, but still, they they just spatially didn't account for things. And now I think the biggest thing with uh, sound on sound is that they uh, biggest thing is the chair thing. I would say um, because they said, hey, yeah, you can put chairs anywhere. Um, but they didn't account for all these people that would just plop their chairs down in front of the stage, which, as someone who had gone to multiple festivals, I could say, common sense-wise, that's moronic, because people will come and go in front of the stage. Uh, whereas, uh, um, uh, 
quite a lot of people would just do that. So when you couldn't leave the stage, I think when I was I was in front of the stage for Band of Horses, and I think to leave that stage to get over back to um, where the people I was with were, uh, I think it took me like three songs in the next set, maybe more. Um, and uh, in fact, some other people who I was with thought that I was uh, thought that I was uh, staying for the next act instead. Um, and now, really, the, uh, they and partway through the day, they realized this was an issue, and they tried to say like, uh, "Hey, in front of the stage is no chair zone." There were a lot of people that didn't listen. I know after I was in front of the stage for the Lumineers and trying walking back to the stuff, there were still people just plopped in front of the stage and chairs blocking everything. Um, and this is there's a couple things there. Um, first off, it was not handicap accessible. I. I saw one person who was in a wheelchair trying to navigate around there. They had to call someone from security in order to even get anywhere. And then also it was a safety issue. There was someone who had fainted during the Lumineers set, and apparently it took like more than 30 minutes for a paramedic to even get in there. There were a couple nurses who were uh, near me who had ran over and helped them, and I figured that uh, I figured that a paramedic had came. But... No one did, but apparently one didn't come for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, in those cases, that's, that's really the biggest thing. I know some people are like, oh, it was bad to walk in that area. Yeah, that, but that's not the bigger issue. The bigger issue is that, um, especially for f festival organizers, you could face lawsuits with that one. But in terms of just human decency, although admittedly with festival organizers, that's not, uh, that's not as much priority necessarily as much as making money and not getting sued that uh still it's a that's something that you can't deal with and then uh and i think that the because they were allowing chairs everywhere it's like everywhere people tried to walk was a mess um and then uh in terms of the vent uh the vendors yeah that for a lot of for some of the vendors they didn't have enough lines or they didn't have enough people working them uh the lines were long. Admittedly, part of that is because, I think part of that is because you had all these people that were getting food at around the same time, which can result in this kind of thing. So, I don't think that one, I wouldn't say that one is as necessarily damning as some people made it sound like. Um, in terms of the porta-potties, yeah, they weren't, um, there was issues with, like, for instance, some, a bunch of them running out of toilet paper, um, stuff like that. I think that they weren't keeping up with that enough and again i think that's just they weren't anticipating that the uh the porta potties would run out of toilet paper as much or they'd have to replace things as rapidly as they would have to same thing with like water that um there were points where they weren't as good about making sure the water what the water stations were refilled um and then as for the traffic situation they didn't have enough people directing traffic afterwards and uh, there were some people saying, apparently there was, an, there was an article that I read saying that someone said that they had to drive over a baseball field that, uh, in order to avoid it. Now, that is going to make traffic worse also because when they try to merge in later on, then they won't be able to and it will cause traffic there too. Though what I will say is that traffic for festivals and concerts as a whole tends to be bad in general. When I saw Chance the Rapper in Connecticut, it took me over an hour to leave the parking lot. Um, so that one is, I don't think that one is necessarily as crazy as people are sounding like, making it sound like, but still, they, I admittedly parked further away, um, so, and the place that I parked, uh, 
what um was an area that wasn't really used for it it was a uh, someone i was with worked at that worked at the building that we parked in um which we'll we'll discuss when i when i do the podcast episode with them and uh but I, and I think that day also one I, a couple of people that were directing traffic were pretty bad at it also, like when I was trying to get on uh, the highway, what the person that was trying to tell me to turn on there I couldn't tell who they were directing and what direction to go. So I mean that all those were bad in terms of like other things that people were complaining about. Someone was complaining that there was no water refill stations on the news. My my mom told me that was not true. There were multiple water refill stations. I had no problem refilling my water. I don't, I don't know what that person was looking for. Um, in terms of comparing it to, uh, in terms of like, uh, discuss it. There are some people complaining about the prices of the things. That's standard price. Those are standard prices for festivals. I know some, uh, in particular, I remember one example off the top of my head is that, for instance, a beer at one place was $15. Yes, that's a lot of money, but the thing is, warped, uh, Warped Tour in, I think it was 2015, a beer was around that same price there. And Warped Tour tends to be cheaper with, uh, with things than other festivals. So in that case, the prices, I didn't think the prices were, were outrageous or unreasonable that, uh, for a festival. I think that one, I think that a lot of people who are complaining that the prices were outrageous had never been to a festival before. So that one, festivals can realistically charge you more because... You're not allowed to bring uh, food into a festival, so because of that, or, uh, because of that, you can charge more for food there. As a result, since it's kind of like a local monopoly kind of idea, which I find really interesting uh, in terms of economics. But I mean, that's uh, and like I mean, some other examples of that where you'll see jacked up prices for those same kind of reason for food. Airports, uh, off the um, like rest to service centers off the highway. Uh, things like those, because realistically, either you can't bring in food or for the service center, it's travelers who don't necessarily know the area and wouldn't be able to find something necessarily. So with all those, their prices tend to be jacked up for those. That's just that's just the way things work because of economics there. So a lot of those things uh, really didn't go on that regard. That said, I still had a lot of fun. Day, uh, day one, there were a lot of sets that I really liked. Um, we'll discuss that more in the later episode, but they, but I think that the one that is not getting enough, enough attention, in my opinion, is day two on Sunday. It was as if every complaint anyone had, the festival organizers heard and fixed. Which, another complaint also I forgot about was the sound quality, um, because... It was really tough to hear artists on, uh, artists on one stage if you were on the other side, on, if you were closer to the other stage. Day two, they they were really strict about the no chair zone. They uh, um, the they added in more uh, more people working the vendors, so the lines were so quick. Uh, they had specific pathways for walking also, um, so then it wouldn't be like you had to navigate through chairs everywhere you go. The they were better about making sure bath the porta potties had toilet paper. The sound was like a million times better. Um, they had more people directing traffic. Also, overall, it 
I mean, I think that the only downside with that was that the weather wasn't great, which is not something that they can do, really. So, uh, so I mean, really, I honestly believe that if you took the weather from day one and the experience from day two, that was probably what they envisioned for the festival. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen as many people reporting on day two, which is unfortunate because, look, yeah, I'm going to criticize them for day one. They, they had some major flaws in it and messed up royally in a lot of things. Day two, though? I thought, I thought they nailed it with in a lot of so many ways. And there were things that they did well. Like, I did think that, uh, for instance, they were really good about about cleanliness. Now, admittedly, of course, later in the day, it's going to be dirtier because it's tough to keep up with all the trash as more and more people get there. But they were really good about picking up trash, it seemed like. Um, I thought that, like, the way that was set up, they did a lot of smart things in the setup and the environment there. Um, they, there was a lot of, there were a lot of options for food. I thought overall it was, a, I thought overall, I love the festival. I, th I'm glad I went. I think that people acting like it was the worst experience ever have never, have never been to a festival and are really over exaggerating things. And like another complaint also that I heard was that some people saying that the porta potties were kind of gross. They're porta potties. Those were among the cleanest porta potties I've ever been in. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I, I've been in so many porta potties, like, first off, a music festival, second off, playing baseball growing up. <laughs> if you have to go to the bathroom, there's the porta potty. It's nasty. That's, that's the point of porta potties. So I think that the people who are making points like that um, really just haven't been to festivals, don't understand the concept of festivals, or are just being dramatic. They, were there concerns on day one? Absolutely. But did the festival address them? Yes. Um, I know there were some people that just bailed on day two because they're like, day one was so bad, I can't do it again. They're lost. They missed out. Day two was amazing. Um, so it was, I'm so glad I went. If uh, I like the lineup next year, then I'm probably going to go back next year. It was a great time. And I'm so glad I went. And I will go into further details with this with, some th with the exact details about like some things that we really like, some things that we didn't like later in a hopefully the next episode, if not the episode after that. And now there are two things that I really want to discuss, but with timing, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to cover one of them. I'm going to save one of them because I want to discuss it for longer for either the next episode or the episode after that, unless something comes up, which is, uh, discussing the Woodstock 99 documentary that Netflix just released recently because my girlfriend and I watched that one together and I have discussed Woodstock 99 in the past on the podcast and because as I've I mentioned this before so apologies if you've heard this and remember this and find it repetition I I find it absolutely uh I find it fascinating to learn about festivals that go wrong which is why I found uh, Sound on Sound kind of interesting with day one, the things that they were doing wrong. Um, Woodstock 99 was an absolute train wreck, of, train wreck of festival. If you have Netflix, I'd highly recommend watching it. Because there is actually, in particular, a lot of festivals now have learned from what not to do from Woodstock 99 in a lot of manners. So be sure to look, check that one out if you, if you haven't yet. And if you have Netflix, I'm going to discuss it in a future episode because I've and more in a lot of depth because there was a lot of things that I found interesting with it and having the knowledge that I do from other sources as well 
um, be able to, I'm going to be, I'm going to discuss different things with that. Cause there were things that I knew already. There were things I didn't, which was really interesting. Um, like I didn't know the backstory behind, uh, the candle vigil that, that was doing. And I didn't know the exact details about, uh, the van that drove in during Fatboy Slim set. Two actual things that happened in there. So be sure to watch, be sure to check those out and you'll hear my reaction and some things related to that festival later, uh, later on. But one that I really want to talk about that I found really funny. So one radio station's Facebook page, Radio 104.1, in the last few weeks, they had shared a, shared a post that was a remove one band, uh, one letter from a band name and see how that totally changes the band name. And I got to tell you, there are some legendary ones. Uh, so I came up with a bunch myself that I, that made me laugh a bit. I decided that I would, uh, share the one that my favorite ones that I came up with, which, uh, uh, which do uh which did uh, many of them did make me laugh but first i do want to i do have some honorable mentions i'm gonna do my top 10 but uh first off we're gonna do the th three that actually we'll start with th a few that i came up with and uh and actually before we go here's the exact one i said ruin a band by removing one letter from its name so um the way I interpret it is that just like totally change its meaning to make it not at all what it what it means. So uh so uh so a couple honorable mentions I had. And this is tougher than you think, because like you might think like remove a letter from Smashing Pumpkins, for instance. And it's the Mashing Pumpkins. Yeah, but that's kind of the same thing. Um whereas a couple other ones that I came up with. So uh Black Flag. There's a couple that you could say. Uh, lack flag, like, but that's not totally ruining it. Um, my personal favorite out those ones related to black flag was back flag, um, as if to saying you're black backing a flag rather than uh, imposing it. But um, a couple other ones I come up with: MGMT, remove the T, make it MGM. Okay, that's sure. Um, the main, you can make it the mine instead, which is just kind of which is kind of funny. Um, and uh couple that that they came, that came up with that the, or that were posted on there other people came up with one of them was in the original post there Roxy music turned into Roy music which is hilarious <laughs> I love it um, and then a uh, couple others that I uh, wanted to uh, shout out um, I um, th uh, t uh, two in particular I saw that made me laugh so hard. One of them is, uh, License Chains from Alice in Chains. And then the other one is New Kids on the Block turned into You Kids on the Block, which makes me laugh so hard. I, I thought that one was my personal favorite one out of all the ones that I saw. Um, but now, before we get into the top ten... One that I think is a bit too obvious that I will mention. Mention. Actually, before I get to the obvious one, another honorable mention that I that I meant to mention. Anyone, any hip hop artist 
who has the name Lil in it, turn it into Il. So, like, for instance, Il Nas X, or uh, Il Wayne. I just found that one kind of funny, but the other one that I do want to mention, as an honorable mention, I ultimately didn't include it because it's, it's just in the top ten, even though I love this one. It's so ob it's too obvious. Legendary metal band Atheist. I think we, it's safe to say that we turned it into the opposite if we just take away the A, so it's Theist. But I found that one too obvious. So now for top 10, I'll go 10 through 1. Number 10. Legendary punk band, The Clash. Turned it into The Cash. A band that sold out, apparently. Number 9. Legendary hard pop, hardcore punk band, Bad Brains. Turned it into... Bad Brines, uh, Red Brins, which, uh, I'm sorry, not Bad Brins, rather, Bad Brands, rather, excuse me, um, so, like, uh, um, another one, though, that I, you could, I guess, do Brins, uh, but, I, I kind of like Brands more, um, number eight, Bowling for Soup turns into Bowling for Sop. <laughs> I do kind of like that one, but it's just kind of, that was just a silly one in my opinion. Uh, number six, the sex, legendary punk band, the Sex Pistols, turn them into the X Pistols. Or I think I said that was six, that was number seven, excuse me. Um, number six, Daft Punk. Can turn that into daft pun. Number five, Coldplay. Remove the L and you, well, the first L and you get Codplay, which is just so silly and I love it. Uh, number four, Silent Planet. Uh, you remove the, like a fairly underground metalcore band that I love. And I, if you're a metal fan, a metalcore fan, I'd highly recommend checking them out live. They're very good live. Um, but I can't imagine Silent Plant would be as good. Number three, legendary hip-hop group Wu-Tang Clan. Move one letter and you get Wu-Tan Clan. <laughs> so just a, just a bunch of Miami guys rapping out there. Number two, if you take Nas, and you probably know where I'm going with this already, you remove one letter and you get what my dad thinks about hip-hop music. Nah. And number one, the one that I actually responded to on that Facebook page because I loved it so much and it actually got people liking it. Legendary punk band, the Dead Ken Dead Kennedys. Turn into Dad Kennedys and I just imagine a bunch of like a bunch of dads out there barbecuing or something at the White House. Which uh, the whole thing so there's a lot of good ones. Um and I've seen a lot of funny ones. And uh I personally find it a lot of fun. I just wanted to share some ones that I came up with and some that I saw um, in my honest opinion, I mean, I know I said Dad, Ken Dad Kennedy's was my number one. I still don't think anything beats You Kids on the Block. I absolutely love that one. So funny. Um, and, uh, and I'll leave one, a little bit disturbing one in your mind. If we came so close, if you were pronouncing it and not spelling it, we, or if you could... Uh, remove one letter and change one letter. We came so close to having legendary shoegaze band My Bloody Valentine turn turn My Bloody Valentine rather turn into My Booty Valentine. So 
Anyways, on that note, probably good that I cut myself off before I get any further behind. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I thought I I wanted to do this a little bit later in the week, but I thought it was important to get uh, some for the audience to get hear something about Sound on Sound Festival. And really that, well, there were flaws. The flaws were largely overblown, and it wasn't like it was like Firefest. It was your typical just not planning for the right number of people. And I also have been stewing on the on Dad Kennedy's for way longer than I should have. Um, so thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to like the Facebook page for Groupie and Harmony and also Is Baller Trademarked Yet? Be sure to check out the blogs for Is Baller Trademarked Yet and Feeling Groupie. And for I know I teased this for a little bit earlier, but next two episodes in no particular order, but I think the, what the order will be is next episode will be more in-depth discussion about Sound on Sound and then a Woodstock 99 review. And then I'll, uh, not sure what I'm going to do after that, but there will be something. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Bye. Bye.